How many of you enjoyed the series of worship so far? Has anybody enjoyed this series? It's one of my favorite subjects to preach on and just one of my favorite things to do is to worship. And um, so I really believe that we could spend the rest of the year on this topic alone. But uh, today's going to be our last day on this series. And we'll come back, obviously, throughout the years next year, and we'll continue to add upon our worship series. But mainly through this series, I've really talked about um, how that God has created us, God has crafted within us, God has designed us to worship Him. We were, we were created primarily to worship God, to glorify God, and to magnify His holy name. Everything else is secondary to that. Who you are, what you do is secondary to you bringing glory and honor to God. And what I've talked about a lot is what happens within the, the confines of a worship service like today. And uh, I've talked about our responsibility, how we are to respond in the presence of God. I've talked about the spiritual dynamics of worship, what goes on. Remember, Jacob's ladder, angels ascending, descending, heavens open, all of those things that take place when we worship God. And so we've looked at all of those things. The central theme of worship is Jesus. Remember the ark last week, that the ark had to be brought back into Jerusalem before they could go forward, and how that Jesus, God, the center of everything that we do. And if we'll lift him up, he said, I'll draw all men unto myself. But you and I both know that worship is more than a song. Worship is more than a service, worship service. Worship is really a lifestyle. It's something that we live out every single day of our lives. It's who we are. We were created to worship. That's who we are. So um, I, I just want to share with you a story today as we get into this in just a moment on the different responses that take place from us as individuals in a worship service. So let's pray. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, I thank you and I praise you once again for this opportunity to be here. I ask, Father, that you would use me, pray that you would speak through me, and I pray, God, that you would give all of us ears to hear what you're saying today. We ask these things in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. And everyone said amen. A couple definitions here as we begin this morning, and that is this worship is our response to what we value the most. It is our response to what we value the most. Whatever you value, you will worship. You respond by your time, your talent, your treasure, and your life. You yield all of those things to what you value the most. Second definition, worship is our response to who God is and what God has done for us. It is a response to who God is and what God has done for us. So when you think about worship, one of the things you have to understand is worship is not meant to be scripted. Now, let me explain that. Let me talk about that. Because I understand that we prepare songs. I understand that we prepare a message, all of those things. So that's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is our response in those particular settings. So our response is not scripted. Our response is not planned. Our response is not choreographed. 
Our response is simply a spontaneous reaction to who God is and what God has done for us. I believe that as believers, somewhere, somewhere in our life or somewhere on us, it should say, warning, warning, we are subject to spontaneous praise at any moment. There should be that kind of, of, of I don't know, sign on us. In other words, that I'm, I'm apt to break out in a response to God at any time and any place. How many of you know that it just doesn't have to be here and now? Woo, okay. Um, when you think about non-scripted, non-planned, non-choreographed uh, response, just think about it in the terms of, a, again, a sports setting. Nobody plans how they're going to respond when something happens in the process and time of that game. It just naturally comes out when something good happens or at times when something bad happens. In other words, I don't have to tell you when to cheer. You know when to cheer. I don't have to tell you when to respond. You know when to respond as a fan. Well, as a believer, nobody really has to tell you. It's just a response then to who God is and what God has done for you in your life. As a matter of fact, worship doesn't even start with you. It doesn't start with me. It doesn't start when we get up on Sunday morning. It doesn't start when the praise team sings the first song. Worship starts with who God is. That's where it begins. It starts with who God is. Amen? So it starts with God. And then it goes on to what God has done for each and every one of us. We respond to that. As a matter of fact, this is what God said to David one time. God said, David replied back, he said, when you said, seek my face. In other words, God spoke to David and said, David, seek my face. And David responded back to him and said, my heart said to you, your face, Lord, will I seek. So God initiates and God starts and it also, worship always starts with God. I liken it to this. It's kind of like God playing tag with us. In other words, God will touch us. God will do something for us. And then we respond and react in a way that brings glory and brings honor unto him. That's why it's important that we don't judge somebody else, someone else's response to who God is and what God has done for them. Because you never know what God has done in someone's life and where God has brought them from. So they may come in and respond to God by lifting up their hands. Or they may come in and respond to God by clapping their hands. Or they may just shout out a hallelujah. Or they may, whatever it is, in response to who God is and what God has done for them. That is an act of spontaneous praise or reaction to who God is. As a matter of fact, let's just take a 10-second praise break and respond to who God is right now and what he's done for us. I believe, I believe there is a story in the Bible that we can glean from that will help us in identifying what some of those responses are and how some of those reactions are when we get into the presence of the Lord. So I want us to go to John's Gospel, chapter number 12 and verse number 1, and I want us to look at it. It's what the Bible says, that six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. 
Here a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. Martha served while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. And Mary took about a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume, and she poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped uh, his feet with her hair. And all the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. Verse 4 says this, But one of the disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later betrayed him, objected. And he said, why wasn't this perfume sold in the money given to the poor? It's worth a year's wages. He did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. And as keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. Verse 7, Jesus responded, leave her alone, Jesus replied. It was intended that she would save this perfume for the day of my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. Now I want you to just go with me to this story. Here it is, six days before Passover, six days before Jesus would be betrayed and before he would be crucified. There is a dinner that's given in his honor. The dinner is given because he raised Lazarus from the dead. How many of you know that's a big deal? I mean, well, that's a big thing right there. I mean, he has just raised Lazarus from the dead. And so I want you to just think about that moment. That's, that's more than just a hallmark moment. Uh, it seems like, you know, just a simple thank you card is not good enough, right? Or not appropriate enough. So they respond because worship is what? Worship is a response to who God is and what God has done for us. So they respond to him by throwing a party in his honor. In his honor. Again, because worship is a response to who God is and what God has done for us. So let's take a moment here and let's think about it for a moment. Let's think about, let me ask you this question. I don't want you to answer, but in your mind, I want you to think about it. I want you to think about this question. What has Jesus done for me? What has he done for you? What has he done for our family? What has he done for my life? And here's what I, here's what I know because I'm guilty of this. Too many times we focus on the things that he's not done for us. You know, I prayed about this and it didn't happen. Or I prayed about that and it didn't work out the way that I thought or the way that I wanted it to happen. And so many times we tend to focus on those things that didn't happen for us as opposed to those things that have happened for us. But let me just back up and just say this. God is sovereign, meaning God knows all things. So some of the things that we're praying about or some of the things we're praying for, if we would get what we want, it wouldn't be good for us. Because God knows the end from the beginning. And so God knows that if I give that to you now, or if I allow you to have that now, it's going to mess up your future, and it's going to mess up what I have for you down the road. So we just have to trust God and understand that he knows what I need, when I need it. He knows how to get it to me, and I just have to trust him that he has my best interest in mind, right? And so we just have to trust him for that. And so we need to focus on what he has done for us. So here's one of the things you can focus on. If you call yourself a Christian, in other words, if you are a follower of Christ, then, then you need to understand you represent or you are represented in this story by three different people, Lazarus, Martha, 
and Mary. And I'm going to show you all three as we track through this. So you might be sitting there today and you might be asking, well, how does Lazarus represent me in this story? Well, here's what Lazarus represents to us and here's how he represents me. Before you and I were believers, we were lost. The Bible tells us that. Before you and I accepted Christ, we were without hope. Before you and I accepted Christ, the Bible said that we were dead in our trespasses and in our sins. So when we accepted Jesus as our Lord and as our Savior, he raised us spiritually from the dead. Because spiritually we were dead. We didn't know God. We couldn't get to God through any of our good works. It took the blood of Jesus and the acknowledge and the acceptance of the blood of Jesus to raise us from, from death to life. So he's raised us from spiritual death to spiritual life, right? From hopelessness to hope. He's called us out of darkness and into his marvelous light. So notice, he calls Lazarus out of darkness, out from the grave, and back into the light. Not only that, but in the story we find that Lazarus is seated at the table of honor with Jesus. Can I tell you this morning that you and I are seated with Christ in heavenly places. You and I are seated with Christ at his table. But before I talk about the table, I want to go back and I want to look at Lazarus a little bit more. I want you to even think about the condition in which Lazarus came out of the grave to begin with. Because the Bible said when Jesus called Lazarus out of the tomb, he came out of the tomb bound. He came out of the tomb in grave clothes. And so what that tells me is this, that God can call you out of darkness, out of your sin, out of your hopelessness, and call you into his marvelous light. In other words, be saved but still struggle with some stuff. Do I have anybody that's ever struggled with anything? Let me talk to you right now. In other words, God can call you out of those places, but you might still be bound in some areas of your life. And listen to what Jesus did. Jesus turned to those that were there that day, family, friends, loved ones, and said, you need to loose him and let him go, which lets me know now I have a responsibility to whomever Jesus calls out of darkness into his marvelous light, not to point my finger finger at them in judgment and condemn them, but he's called me to help them get out of their struggle, get out of their grave clothes, get out from underneath whatever is binding them and holding them back so that they can be free indeed. Come on, somebody, and help me this morning and give the Lord praise. So the Bible said he came out bound, and, the, and the, those there that day had to loose him and let him go. But now Lazarus is no longer bound. He's, he's at the table with Jesus. As a matter of fact, the Bible said that he's sitting there and he is reclining with the Lord. Now, I want to talk about this for a moment. And I want us to understand that we have to be careful that in our walk with the Lord that we don't become so comfortable with Jesus that we forget where Jesus brought us from. Because sometimes we get to the place after we've been saved 5, 10, 15, maybe 2, whatever years, and we get to the place where we forget where we were, what he brought us out of, what he delivered us from. 
And we're sitting in a place where we no longer recognize his presence. We no longer respond to his presence. And we no longer honor his presence. That's why you and I should never, ever get into a worship service and not acknowledge him. And not glorify him. And not magnify him. Some of us have forgotten what he brought us out of. Some of us have forgotten what he brought us through. Amen. How many of you know he's worthy of praise right here, right now, that we cannot become comfortable even at his table? It's a miracle that you and I are here today. It's a miracle that he's freed us and that, he's, that we are no longer bound or addicted and we're no longer struggling or strapped to our past. That's a miracle that's taken place in your life. You and I are not who we used to be. And you may not be where you want to be, but you're not where you used to be either. Amen. How many are thankful for that today? Amen. Now watch me. I got I to I gotta talk about this. Because one of the reasons, especially, especially new converts, one of the reasons that Jesus places you at the table with him is so that others can see what he's done for you. Because now your worship becomes a witness to your friends, to your family, to your coworkers, to other students around you. Why? Because people... Again, when we worship as a response to who he is and what he's done for us, that is a witness to other people. Look at this scripture. It's in verse number nine. Listen to what it says. Meanwhile, a large crowd of Jews found out that Jesus was there and they came. But notice the next statement, not only because of him, but also to what? To see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. In other words, I have to see this to believe it. Are you talking about Lazarus? Because I heard, the last I heard about Lazarus was he was dead and he was buried. You mean Lazarus has been raised from the dead? And so to us, it may mean because of our past and people hear that we are now serving Jesus and we are at his table, they're like, I got to see this to believe that. You mean so-and-so saved? You mean they're serving the Lord? When, when Jamie and I first got saved and, uh, you know, and we were on a fast track and God just began to just move us swiftly into the calling that he had for our life and people began to fi find out that, that we had been saved and that we were going to church and that God had called us into ministry, they're like, what? You mean, Kenny? He, he's what? I got to see this to believe it. Amen. I didn't always have a Bible and a microphone. I can guarantee you that. <laughs> and so, so your worship then becomes a witness to others around you. All right? And so people need to see you and I at the Lord's table. Let me talk about that for a minute. The Lord's table. We just, we just partook in the Lord's table. We just had communion and what it represents. We, we had communion. We took the body or the bread, which is symbolic of the body, but bread is also symbolic of the word of God. 
We also took, we took the juice, which is symbolic uh, of, of the blood of Jesus, which is symbolic of the Spirit of God. So when you and I come to this place like we are today, we, we begin to sit at the Lord's table. And what do we receive? We receive the Word of God. God's feeding us right now. You're getting the Word of God. I'm getting the Word of God, right? We're also being led by the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God is in this room. The Spirit of God is speaking to us. The Spirit of God is talking to us. That's why I said, get that piece of paper and wait. God's going to say something. God's going to give you a name. When he gives it to you, write it down. The Spirit of God is speaking to us. So it's here that we learn from the Word of God. We grow from the Word of God, and we learn to yield to the Spirit of God. In this setting, it's one of the settings, but in this setting is where we learn from the Lord's table. We learn from the Lord. It's a place where we grow spiritually. But the table of the Lord is also a place of fellowship. Some of you have been in church a while. You may understand that word. Some of you are like, what? Fellowship? What? A place where we connect with one another. So not only does God bring him to the table where he can grow spiritually, but God also brings him to the table where he can begin to connect with people. And this is why groups are so important. And this is why we're entering into the new season of groups at LifePoint Church. I want you to know something, that you and I will not grow to the full development that God has desired for us and, and designed us to grow unless we get connected with other people of like faith. That's the way it is. As a matter of fact, Jesus said you're not to do ministry alone. He sent them out two by two. He had 12 disciples. He even had a smaller group than that of three that he would hang out with at times. But Jesus modeled groups for us. He modeled that we need to be part of a community. It's not just you and Jesus. You don't have your own thing going on together. It's you and the body of Christ. The hand cannot say to the foot, I don't have need of you. The eye cannot say to the ear, I don't have need of you. We all need one another, and together we make up the body of Christ. Come on, somebody. We make up the body of Christ. So, Lazarus, you got to get to the table. You got to be fed the word. You got to be led by the spirit, and you got to be connected to like believers. Find yourself a group. And we're going to give you that opportunity. Next week's going to be a great opportunity for you to get connected. You can get connected on your way out, but you need to get connected so you can grow as a believer in Christ. Amen? Your story matters. Your worship matters. It is a witness to others. All right, number two, not only is worship a response to who God is and what he's done for me, but worship is a sacrifice. Say it's a sacrifice. Some of you had to sacrifice to get here today. It wasn't easy. It was inconvenient for you to have to come today. I have heard that it really isn't worship until you have been inconvenienced for Christ. Then it becomes a sacrifice where we sacrifice in our worship to him. It cost us something. David said, I'm not going to offer God something that didn't cost me anything. And so sometimes worship is a sacrifice. Sometimes we don't feel like it. Sometimes we'd rather be somewhere else. Sometimes we'd rather be doing something else. But it is a sacrifice. And we see this play out in the story in verse number 2. Here a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. Martha did what? Martha what? 
Say it like you've had some coffee. Served while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table. You ever felt like, what's up with this? Here I am doing all of this work, and here's old Lazarus kicked back. Now, you may have never felt that way, but I can guarantee if you're serving, sometimes you get that feeling. Why am I the only one doing all of this work? Why do they get to recline and sit around Jesus and enjoy Jesus? But here's, here's the point. Martha's response to Jesus was she served. And so sometimes our response to God and what God has done for us, we express that through serving. Everyone say serve. So Martha's behind the scenes doing the dirty work, you know, making sure everyone's getting fed, making sure everyone's taken care of. She has the gift of hospitality. She's made sure everything's clean before anybody gets there. She's not reclining at the table, but her response is no less spiritual than Lazarus' response, or we're going to find out Mary's response as well. No less spiritual. It's just as spiritual. What Martha is doing is just as spiritual as what Lazarus is doing and what Mary's going to do, and I'll show you that in a minute. We cannot say that when we come to church on Sunday, and if we are serving, I don't care in what capacity you are, you cannot look at it as I'm not worshiping. Because if you are serving, you are worshiping. Come on, I need some help right here. If you're serving, you're worshiping. So the 70 plus people that it takes to have one Sunday service, 70 people for one Sunday service. How many life group leaders? 20, 30, somewhere around there, 30 life group leaders that are going to be serving throughout the week. Some of you are going to open up your homes and host people, those types of things. This is all an act of worship. Say it's worship. It's all an act of worship. Lazarus needs to be at the table. Why? Because he's young. He's a new convert. He needs to grow spiritually. He's just been raised from the dead. He needs to hear the word. He needs to learn how to be led by the spirit. We need him to be a part of a group. Come on, somebody. But we cannot do without Martha. Look at your neighbor and tell him we need Martha. We need Martha. Where's my Martha's? Wave at me, Martha. Come on, let me see you out here. See, Martha's one, and I'm not even speaking about gender now. Martha is one who's willing to sacrifice her time, her talent, her gifts, so that others can be blessed. Martha is just as busy as everyone else. She's got kids to take care of. She's got responsibilities at home to take care of. She has the same amount of time as everyone else has. But yet Martha said, because of what he's done for me and who he is, I am willing to serve him. I'm willing to serve him. Who do you think was preparing the meal before anybody got there? Who do you think set the table and prepared the table? Who do you think cleaned the house? Who do you think stayed after everyone left to clean up? 
I knew it would get tight right in here, but I'm all right. I'm ready for you. It was Martha. It was her response to what Christ had done for her. Can I tell you something? We cannot take advantage of Martha. Because Martha will say yes until we burn Martha out. And we have to pick her up off the floor because she's spiritually burnt out. She's spent. So we cannot take advantage of the Marthas in the house. We have to make sure, we have to make sure that Martha gets her time at the table as well. Because I don't care how long you've been serving the Lord, there are times you need to come back to the table and you need to be fed and you need to be led. So we're asking some of you, to begin to worship through serving. We have some Marthas, they need a break. They serve every Sunday, sometimes twice a service every week. Do you realize that it takes 70 people for us to have a service, just one service on Sunday? And so sometimes we have people that are doubling up and just serving here and serving there. And I'm thankful for the Marthas in the house. I'm thankful for the Lazarus in the house as well. But listen to me. We need every now and then someone to get up from the table and take Martha's place and begin to help serve others. Are you with me? This is where it got really tight in the first service. Because you have to see the significance of what happens when we serve together. I got this chain here. Not to tie anybody up. But Craig's going to help me. and He's going to demonstrate something for you. How many links do you think are in this chain? I gave you the hint a couple seconds ago. 70. There are 70 links in this chain. Let's just say that Craig is Lazarus. He's a sinner. He's lost. I'm Jesus because I have the microphone, I can say who's who right now. <laughs> but we have to get Craig, who's lost, to the table. Every link matters. Anytime there's a break in the chain, we're gonna lose people. That's why it's just as important that, you, that we have people serving in the parking lot as we do on the platform. Oh, that's just the parking lot. Well, are you going to be a link that's going to bring a lost person to the table where they can meet Jesus and come out of darkness and into his marvelous light? Now, this is my calling. This is my gift that God's given me to be on this platform, to be able to share God's word with you. But the reward is no different if I was in the parking lot or standing right here. The reward is no different. We have got to get rid of this mentality that some person is more important than the next person. We are all equal in the eyes of God and at the foot of the cross, and we're all needed. We're all needed. There's not one ministry in this church that's not important. Not one. 
Not one. Well, you know, that's not a profile position. Well, it is in the eyes of God. And who, who are you wanting to recognize you to be getting? Do you want God's recognition or do you want man's recognition? Do you want God's approval or do you want man's approval? Do you want God's pat on the back or do you want man's pat? I'll take God's every day of the week. Amen. Every day of the week. So some of you just need to link back up with us. We need, we need Martha's. Here's an interesting fact. It is, it is a fact. Here's an interesting fact. When they told me this, when we started this church, I wasn't sure if I believed them or not. This is what they said. They said, for every person you have serving, you'll have four people attending your church. And we've tracked that. We started with 40 people. And I think we had all 40 serving at that time. We started with 40 people. All right. This past month, um, we averaged 280 to 285, somewhere around there. How many people did I say it takes to have one service? Do the math. <laughs> Do the math. 280. You want to grow Life Point Church? You want to see more people come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ? Come on, I'm helping. Come on. You want to see your family saved? You want to see your loved ones saved? You want to see this house full? Then you're going to have to find your place. That's worship. We're all busy. We all have other responsibilities. But worship means he's first and foremost in everything in my life. He's first and foremost. So I know that some of you can give us one Sunday a month. Some of you can give us two Sundays a month so that we can take the load off of the Marthas that are giving us four Sundays every month. So we can, we can free the table up so that we can get more people. I'm telling you, watch this thing work. The more people we get involved in serving, the more people will become to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. It just works that way. It works that way. As a matter of fact, I don't know if they felt guilty or the Holy Spirit convicted them in the first service, but we had people walking out here saying, I can do one once a month. I'll do it. Sign me up. Where do I go? And as leaders, it's our responsibility to put you or to help you find that place. That's why you need to take your next step and get involved in growth track. We had eight, nine, ten people in growth track today that's going to help you find your place. It's going to help you find your group. It's going to help you find your place of ministry and serving. You're not going to grow. Listen to me. You're not going to grow. And I'm almost out of time. I'm out of time. You're not going to grow as a believer. And you can stop your growth as a believer if you, do, if you don't do these two things. If you don't get connected with another person, another believer, if you don't start developing relationships within the body and you don't serve, I can guarantee you, if you don't do those two things, you will become discontent. I can, I can promise you that. The minute you stop serving, the minute you stop a group, the minute you stop, you're going to start looking at all the things that aren't right, all the things that are not working. You're going to become discontent. 
well, they do this and they don't do that and I don't have this and they don't offer that. And here's what's going to happen. You're going to move from this church to the next church and you're not going to get connected and you're not going to serve and then you're going to get discontent there and you're going to move from that church to another church because until you get connected and until you get planted, you will not prosper in the house of the Lord. That is the Bible. That's the Bible. Amen. Have I made my point? Amen. Amen. Let's give the Lord praise then. Okay, last point. Mary shows her worship by giving. Look at this scripture, verse number three. Mary took about a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume. She poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of perfume because worship, when it comes from the heart, is a sweet fragrance in the nostrils of God. The psalmist described it that way. So whether that's worshiping, sitting at the table and receiving from the Lord, or serving in some capacity, in some ministry, in some group, or whether that's giving monetarily to the Lord, it becomes a sweet fragrance in the nostrils of God. The Bible says she took a pint of this expensive perfume and poured it on the feet of Jesus. And then it goes on to tell us that the pint was a year's wages. It was worth a year's wages. So I did a little research this week and I found out that the average income in Lake County per household is $61,137 a year, average. Some's higher, some's lower, obviously. But the average is $61,137. I want you to think about that for a minute because Mary's coming to Light Point Church today. And she's gonna respond to who God is and what he's done for her. What did he, he just raised her brother from the dead. Could never repay God. I don't care how much. Could never repay him for that. But she's coming to church. We're gonna put her in the 21st century. And she's coming with $61,137. And you didn't think you could tithe. And she brings it and she pours it on Jesus. Listen to me. It's not the amount, it's the heart. Because Jesus talked about the widow woman who had two mites, two pennies. And he said her worship, her sacrifice was greater than all of these guys standing around here giving basically what they had left over, which was more than she had. He said it was a matter of the heart. And what Mary's doing is she's, she's saying where her treasure is, and her treasure was that she loved Jesus with all of her heart. And she was willing to sacrifice and give whatever she needed to give to him. He didn't ask for it. She gave it to him. And I'm not asking for $61,137, although I would take it. 
This is an extravagant gift. There are three types of giving in the Bible. There's the tithe that belongs to God. It's 10%. It's his, non-negotiable. There's an offering. It's called a free will offering. It's free will. You can give it to whoever or whatever you want to do. Free will. And then there's this kind of offering. It's an extravagant offering, and it's given to the Lord. Now, this is what I know, and the praise team's coming, because if they don't, I'll keep talking. This is what I know. You will never, ever regret what you give to God. You'll never regret it. Trust me when I say this, Mary is not in heaven saying, I wish I would have just given him half. Mary's not in heaven saying, you know what? I should have only just given a quarter of that perfume. She didn't go home that night and say, man, what did I just do? I know that for a couple of reasons. Number one, I know that that the Bible says that God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek after him. In seeking, part of seeking is worshiping. So listen, listen to this. Whatever leaves your hand never leaves your life. It never leaves your, if you sow to God, if you sow into the king, it never leaves your life. Because the Bible, we're still preaching about this woman 2,000 years later, and we're talking about her gift to the Lord. Jesus said, wherever the gospel's preached, this story is going to be told. And it's been told ever since then. And I'm telling it today. Because people don't talk about what you have. People talk about what you gave. Let's stand. Listen to me, church. None of us will be remembered by what we had. In 25 years of ministry, I probably conservative, conservatively have done over 100 funerals. Not one time that I sit down with a family when we began to plan that service. Not one time did I sit down with them and say, after asking him, tell me a little bit. Tell me a little bit about what you want me to share. Not one time did they say, I want you to tell everybody what they had. It's always what they gave. They gave their time. They gave their talent. They invested in their children. They invested in their family. They invested in their church. They invested with their time, their talent, and their treasure you'll not be remembered by what you had all those things are going to fade away anyway going to fade away you'll be remembered by what you gave what you sowed into God's kingdom that's why I saved the offering until now I didn't forget about it 
I saved it until now. I want you to understand that when we receive an offering and we receive the tithe of the Lord, it's not intermission. It's not a break in worship. It's a continuation of worship. Because that represents your time. It represents your talent. It represents your treasure. It represents your life. You labored over that. You labored for that. You got up. You went to work. That represents you. And you're saying, God, here's I'm giving you me. Now bless it. does and he does and he does and he does I've been tithing for over 25 years and I've never ever ever went home after a service and said I wish I wouldn't have done that not one time not one time Norma have I ever said I wish I wouldn't have gave not one time what you buy silly things with why in the world did I buy that what am I going to do with that you'll miss what you mismanage your money on you'll miss what you gamble your money away with but you'll never miss giving to God I can guarantee you that can I get a witness in this house amen father we love you and I believe God that you've spoken to us through this message today I believe you've given us some names of some people, Lord, that you've laid upon our heart that you want us to invite this week. And so, Father, we're going to let our worship witness for us this week, and we're going to invite people to your table. We're going to tell them our story. You brought us out of darkness and into your marvelous light. Our life was hopeless and helpless without you. You've turned it all around. We're going to share our story this week. We're going to witness our faith. Father, Lord, as we leave this place, we're praying and we're believing that you're going to speak to our hearts about an area of service that we can get connected at LifePoint Church. I can serve there. I can, I can give a week. I can give, I can give a month. I can, I can do that. I can do that. I can, I can be Martha. I can find a place. I can serve. And, and, and Lord, I know you're going to help me as I give financially. I know you're going to help me because you already said you'll provide everything I need. So I trust you in it, and I believe you for it. It's in Jesus' holy and wonderful name we pray. And I thank you for this worship experience we've had today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Listen to me. We're going to have ushers at the back two doors as you exit. We're going to have an usher right here in the middle. What I want you to do is I want you to worship the Lord in your giving. If you're visiting with us for the very first time, I'm not asking you to do that. If you want to, you can, but I'm not asking you to. I also want you to find one of the boards to my left, to my right. Put those names. We're going to be praying this week with you and for them and believing that God's going to bring them to the saving knowledge. Can we do that? And then you can stay and worship through this song if you want. Amen. Have a great week. We love and we love you and appreciate you.